0: We're in a series called Miracles, and today we're going to look at two miracles that happens in John 4. It's about Jesus meeting with the woman from Samaria and an official uh, who came to Jesus about a concern over his son's health. And this series really is to help us realize that God is still intervening today in our human affairs. And that's what the, the dictionary calls a miracle. It's when God intervenes in human affairs. Now, that is sometimes very tangible, like a healing. And other times, it's just a short little shift in your heart that makes you see something the way God wanted you to see it. But for the longest time, kind of got stuck. And you, you kind of got stuck in your walk with Him. You know, every little change that God brings about in our hearts is a divine intervention in our affairs. Like, really, guys, nothing I say can actually make you do something. You know, that's the whole premise of human free will, is that you can sit there and just, like, not want to do anything I say, and guess what? There's nothing I can do about that. (laughs) I'm, like, seriously powerless. Um and, 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 and I need to trust that the Spirit of God, who is the only being that can move our hearts into action, will actually talk with each and every one of you while I'm talking up here. And so my dependency is entirely on the Holy Spirit um, and on His Word to bring the life to you that I'm hoping you will find in Him as I have found in Him. And so... But God still does that today. But he doesn't just do those intangible miracles. He still does hectic things like raising people from the dead, getting deaf people to hear and blind eyes to open. And <clears throat> he You know, healings to take place of people's backs and their arms and their shoulders and things. And we've seen some of this in our fasting fasting week. Somebody had locked shoulders, couldn't lift up his hands. And next minute they got prayed over and boom, he's able to lift up his hands. Things like that can happen in an instant if we will just remain believing God for these things, right? And what a big difference doesn't it make um, when things like that happen? Um, And it's not just for adults, it's for children. It's for anybody who has the faith to just ask in the name of Jesus, believing that God is able to perform his word and, and stay true to his word, right? And so he's still doing miracles. He loves to confirm his word. I'm going to move this one slightly back. <coughs> he loves to confirm his word which um, proves, through which he proves the truthfulness of his gospel, And he loves to add his miracle power to where people are actually a part of his mission. Where people are going out and trying to influence this world with his truth. He loves to come and back that up with his divine interventions to help turn hearts around so that people might believe. In this um, chapter, we'll see how Jesus is aware of the fact that sometimes people will only believe if they've seen something, see something significant happen, like a miracle. All right, so who's trusting God for something to change in their life? Some kind of miracle, right? Some kind of intervention, right? Now, I want you to share that with the person next to you. Maybe just uh, if it's your wife or something, share it with somebody that doesn't know what you're going through. Or if she doesn't know, good time to share it with her, okay? <laughs> or him, <coughs> um, but just take a minute and just share with somebody next to you what you are trusting God for during this time. All right. So join me in John 4. John 4 verse 1 says this. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize. Only his disciples did. That he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Now Galilee was the region in which Jesus performed his first miracle. Right? Um, at the wedding in Cana, he turned water into wine. We spoke about that last week, and spoke about the amazing um, things that uh, surrounded that miracle. And i I'll really encourage you to go and listen to that message, um, as it as it really helps us to kind of uh, know how to how to respond to Christ in order to receive miracles. But he left and he went back to this region, and so he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sikar and it was near the field that Jacob. This is talking about uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That Jacob, um, uh, weary as he was from his journey, sitting beside a well in about the six. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, um, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Okay, so Jacob's well was there. Jacob had dug a well. Now, if you don't know about digging wells, um, you know in, in in very many desert places, it's often. Um, that the water is there, it's just underground. And so people will dig wells to find water, and then those wells that are dug are then used to, you know, uh, uh, nourish their flocks as they are traveling from space to space, to be able to, to feed them, as well as, you know, people that travel. They are able to uh, gain water from, from these areas. Um, and so it's a huge blessing to be able to dig a well and create an area of, of, of nourishment and water um, uh, on your journey. So Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was weary from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. So a woman from Samaria came to draw water, And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Now, the first thing you'll see once you completed this story is that when Jesus says, give me something, (laughs) it has very little to do with what he's about to get. (laughs) Whenever God asks something of us, it is far more about what he wants to give you than it is about what he's asking from you. And this is shown so amazingly through this, uh, this, this chapter. But I want you to keep that in mind because so often when, you know, something is presented as, hey, God is asking this of you. God wants you to do this, that, and the next thing. We often feel like, man, that is just a lot to ask, well, if you realize why God asks stuff of us, you would gladly say, yes, Lord, I will give this and more. Because I know that what you have planned for me is completely way beyond anything that I could ever imagine, dream, or hope for. So I will trust you by following in this. Which we'll see the woman eventually gets to. But let's continue our reading. So um, she, uh, she said to him, how is it that you, a Jew... Asks for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. So, the context of this is that between the Jews and the Samaritans, there was a lot of racial tension. A racial tension. The Jews felt that they were far superior in race over the Samaritans. The Samaritans despised the Jews because they thought, you know, um, sun shone from every place that they had able to shine from. Um, and so she was reacting with a lot of suspicion to why Jesus is even approaching her. Not only is it uncommon for a Jew to talk to a Samaritan, it's also not that very common for then, a Jew to talk to a Samaritan. Women um per se because of the cultural you know uh, dictates of the time and so jesus answered her he said he doesn't answer her question he doesn't fall into the trap the bait of taking you know what is being what could potentially be triggered by her response to him just asking politely for a drink he bypasses that and he says to her If you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to draw water with. And this well is deep. Where do you get this living water from? And then she challenges him, are you greater than our father, Jacob? who dug this well. He gave this well to us and he drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Again, Jesus has to bypass the offensiveness. And he says, everyone who drinks water from this well will thirst again. Drinks water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here for water. So it's sometimes difficult to retone in Scripture. And so you kind of have to decide, is, is this woman starting to turn around and starting to, you know, reach back out to Jesus, or is she just go, well, then give me this water? <laughs> like, almost like another challenge, you know, you kind of have to try and discern which way she is, she's coming back at Him. But either way, <clears throat> we see amazing things happen in just this first portion that I want to jump into for a minute. So first, Jesus is leaving Jerusalem. He did miracles there, and people were at, the, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a Passover feast there. Was it Passover? I'm not sure. But people were there at a feast. And so even people from Galilee were there, and they saw Jesus. Jesus goes back to Galilee, passes through Samaria, and his disciples feels the need that it, okay, it's time to go eat. So while Jesus' disciples is doing normal, right? You know, they need supplies, to continue their, jersey, their journey, Jesus, on the other hand, stays focused on the, the purpose for why he is there. And even though he's tired and he's taking a break, he realizes something that sometimes we miss, that God often moves in the mundane more significantly than he moves in the spectacular. And so he stays aware of his surroundings and this lady comes up to him and he approaches her for a drink of water. Which is just like a, you know, a normal request, a seemingly you know innocent, mundane request. But naturally we know that this, this scene is a little loaded because there is a lot of tension between Jews and Samaritans. And so naturally, that's going to kind of like, you know, be more than just a request for water. And Jesus kind of knew that. But in a short conversation, we see this woman go from being suspicious to maybe even being sarcastic to becoming religious to becoming a witness. So I want to ask you this. Do you sometimes treat the Bible with suspicion? Maybe even when somebody preaches something that's a little bit different from what you're used to, maybe even treat it with sarcasm, like that's going to work in real life. Sometimes we're the Samaritan woman because sometimes Jesus can be so otherworldly to us that we almost first take offense at him coming to us. But I want you to know that it doesn't matter your experience, that Jesus isn't triggered by your responses of sarcasm, of cynicism, maybe even, you know, animosity. And Jesus definitely does not settle when you answer him with religious jargon. He wants to push through all of that to reach your heart. So let's see what causes this woman's transformation till she becomes a witness. Verse 16, Jesus says to her, so she just said to him, so give me this water. So it looks like Jesus is just kind of like avoiding the topic. Oh, so you really don't have the water, so you have to change the topic, Jesus. No. When Jesus changes the topic, he's actually answering the question. Go get your husband and come here. It's like, well, I don't have a husband, right? Verse 16. Verse 17, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, yeah, you're right. You have been saying that you have no husband, for you've had five and the one you're with now is not your husband either. So what you said is true. (laughs) What is this? This is called the gift of a word of knowledge. Jesus knew something about her past that was relevant to what is currently going on in her life and to what God was about to do with her. You know the beauty of a word of knowledge, the gift of a word of knowledge? is that it's available to you and I today. The Holy Spirit is able to give you the ability to know something about somebody's past as it relates to now, to what God wants to tell them and how God wants to help them. So let me first continue. So the woman is, from this point, sar so little cynicist, sin- 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 Cynical, that's the word, sorry. My Afrikaans brain took over for a minute. little cynical, even sarcastic and maybe a little challenging. Until Jesus speaks something to her that he should not have known about her. And all of a sudden, the scene starts changing. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. You know, our fathers worshipped on this mountain. But you're saying that we should only worship in Jerusalem. It turns religious on him. You know how you know it's religion? It's when something happened. Like my grandma used to be a great churchgoer. Which has nothing to do with you, right? (laughs) I perceive that you're a prophet. Oh, I know spiritual things. Oh, I've read the Bible back and forth. But Jesus said to her, verse 21, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you don't know. We, talk about the Jews, worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. Jesus recognizes that this woman's background may have included religious practices. You might have an example of her family members praying, worshiping Jesus, but he realizes this woman does not know what it is to worship. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. I did not necessarily worship on this mountain yet. And so Jesus proceeds to actually explain to her the new covenant. He shares the gospel with her. He tells her what it's going to be like once he has establish his kingdom again. What, once he has died and resurrected again, then we're going to worship God, not on a specific place, not in a specific building. We're going to worship God in a specific condition. And that condition is spirit and it's truth. And so he reveals to her the new covenant, the new plan of worship to help her to go past religion. So let me say this to us all, if we want to actually experience God for ourselves, and this is a particular note for younger people, you can't focus on anything your parents did. Because that does not help you until you make a personal decision to want to experience this for yourself. You have to say, Jesus, I want to know you myself. I don't want to know the God of my father, the God of my mother. I want to know you as my God, my father. Jesus is not satisfied with our religious responses. Jesus does not care how many times you've read the Bible. Jesus does not care how uh, many times you've sat in a pew in church. What he cares about is whether you have actually opened up your heart to him. And he, wants, he wants, to, wants to push through all of the things that we can, can kind of like respond with until he brings us to the place where it says here in, in this part. Um, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. It's interesting how people bring religious knowledge and then think that that's going to be enough. Well, it's clear here that Jesus says to her, the one you're referring to, I am he. And what he's inviting her in that moment to do and each and every one of us in this room to do is to not stop at just religious knowledge or traditions or Or things that we do because this is what Christians do. Because those things have no power when it comes to making your spirit become alive in Christ. To helping you become born again and actually connect personally with God and have a relationship with God. Until you say, Jesus, I believe in you. And this is what the woman was confronted with right here. See, he, he confronted her with a new covenant. He revealed to her who he was and left her with only one decision. Either you're going to believe what I told you right now or you're going to reject it. In that minute, just before a response seems to be forthcoming from her, verse 27, Jesus <laughs> it says the disciples came back. So it's like, man, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, you know, guys, you guys are really good timing. This woman is about to, you know, repent and give her life to Jesus. And here you're all coming back from, oh, we got food, everybody, you know, everything's going to be okay. And completely out of sync with the moment, you know, just almost like it's breaking the moment. <laughs> I don't know if you've had a, a, a moment like that where you're about to, you know, just experience something about God. And then some guy comes in and, and, and he just makes like a a real like not in the moment comment, and it just like completely breaks the moment. It's like this happens, you know. The disciples, they were so focused on doing normal. They were so focused on, on what needed to get done and all the things that we were, they, were, they were supposed to do that they didn't even recognize that there was something significant going on here. And they start questioning Jesus. Like, why is he talking to a woman? Why is he talking to these people over here? My goodness. What? You know, and <laughs> it's, it's so fleshly and it's a challenge. To what the Holy Spirit was busy doing in that moment. But amazingly the woman. Even though she leaves. She goes away with having experienced something of God. And for, 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 I want to encourage you. If you ever come into a place where you experience Jesus and something is trying to throw you off or discourage you from responding to it, do what this woman did. Just leave that situation. And go and work with what just happened with you. Go and think on what just happened to you and share what just happened to you. See, the disciples were so focused on their goal to try and get supplies and you know do normal that they they completely missed the miracle that was gonna be t- that was busy taking place there. You know, and we can be either one of the two. We can be the woman or we can be the disciples. And um, 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 the disciples. Sometimes we're like the disciples. We we're so busy doing normal. We're so Busy with our goals. We're so busy with our plans. Look, this is what I'm going to do next. And, you know, I'm going to do this for this long. And then after that, I'm going to do that. That we put our mind on the goal and we completely missed the journey there. So, so Galilee was the goal. Galilee was the goal. Jesus was bringing his disciples to Galilee, but Jesus didn't wait until Galilee before he started ministering to people. Jesus knew that the the process is just as relevant as the end goal. And so I want to encourage you, don't be so focused on your end goals that you miss the miracles that God wants to do in the journey there. While we're doing normal, Jesus is preparing miracles. Jesus tells his disciples, Look, i tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. Jesus was not even uh, 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 crucified yet. But here he says that God is already saving people. So his disciples did not understand necessarily that he was going to die and all that. But they just knew that he had this plan to go to Galilee. And they had to like do whatever they needed to take to get them there. But God was in the process. God was in the steps. Not just in the destination. And I think sometimes we as Christians get so hung up about our destiny. That we forget that destiny isn't a destination. It's just a journey with Jesus. That you have reached your destiny when you start walking your purpose with Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? God's destiny for you is to walk with him. It's not to produce some kind of product in this life. You know, we get so hung up about wanting to leave a legacy that we start making it about us. What if I left left no legacy that remembered me, but a ton of people remember Jesus because of me? Can we be more excited about people remembering Jesus than they will be about remembering us? Can we try to more have people walk in that purpose and that love relationship with God than people honoring us for what we did on earth? That is your and my destiny. It's making God famous, telling His story, not telling our story. And sure our story helps people to connect to His story, but don't stop short of connecting it to His story because, y'all, it ain't about us. It's about pointing people to Jesus. So it doesn't matter where you are right now. You're on the journey and there are miracles that are going to happen if you will look up and you will see the harvest in front of you. And if you will, like Jesus, engage the people around you now. Don't wait for five years when you can you know, get to a certain goal in your life and you can make certain changes in your life. No, that's not the, the, the essence of what walking with Jesus is about. It's about now. How are you engaging the journey with Him now? Don't be so preoccupied with your goals that you miss the miracles in the process. The process is just as rich as the end goal. So the second part of this chapter goes into a different story. By the way, we see that that this woman leaves and what happens? The woman leaves. She, she left her water jar. <laughs> she completely forgot normal. <laughs> she completely forgot what she was there to do. But guess what happens? She, she goes into town and tells people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Verse 30 said, they went out from the town and were coming to him. And meanwhile, the disciples... We're still on normal. Eat, Jesus. The food's going to go bad. The food's going to go cold. <laughs> Jesus says to them, guys, <laughs> I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And they still are getting it. Like, did somebody get him food? Who brought him food? Y'all bring him food? Man, why did you bring him food? We were supposed to bring him food. Why would you bring him the food? Oh. <laughs> uh, uh. And he said to him, guys, <laughs> my will is to do the work of him who sent me, verse 34. My, 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 my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. You know, when we do God's will, it sustains us. It gives us everything we need. And don't get me wrong, Jesus did eat But he wasn't so focused on normal that he missed the Holy Spirit's work in the process. Your goal is good. We need goals in our lives. But don't forget what Jesus is doing in the process. And don't forget the miracles that are available to you in the process. And again he reminds them. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. And now he's referring to all these people coming around. The woman have this encounter. She goes and tells. Tells them, look, come and see. And the result here is many Samaritans from that town believed because of the woman's testimony. Many Samaritans believed because of the woman's testimony. Miracles can save people's eternal lives. It's so important that we, we get this and, and, and not look over the person that's next to you in this journey because they need a miracle. So skip forward to verse 46. We'll come back to this this point about the people believing in a minute. Verse 46 it says that so he Again, came to Cana in Galilee. That's where he did his first miracle. Um, <clears throat> and at Capernaum, that's a city that's about um, sixteen miles or so away, eighteen miles away from 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 Cana. It's like going to Jennings or something. Um, so this guy from Jennings, this official from Jennings, comes, and he uh, he, he heard about Jesus. And he had come from, that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee. And so he went to him. He asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now it's amazing how sometimes Jesus says yes to people's need to see signs. And sometimes he says to them, I'm not going to give you signs. The people he gave signs to were, were, were often the non-religious and the ones he didn't want to give signs to were the religious. Why do you think that? Well, the religious were supposed to have the book. They were supposed to know. But they didn't want to know. But to those who comes with honest requests, he obliges them. And so he says this. The official says, to, says this to Jesus, sir, come down, please, before my child dies. He's getting urgent and he stays persistent. And Jesus says to him, go, your son will live. So it's amazing how sometimes we like ask Jesus to answer a specific way. And then when he does something different, we go, he didn't answer my prayer. Jesus didn't go down. Jesus didn't go to Capernaum. He stayed in Cana. But Jesus gave him a word and said to him, go. Look at the amazing response of this official, right? This official. He says, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke and went on his way. See, the religious already had the word that Jesus spoke. They just didn't want to believe it. But this guy got the spoken word. And he chose to believe it. He chose to believe it. And then it says, as he was going down, verse 51, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So context is difficult, but think of walking the Jennings. Probably going to take you a whole day. If it was late in the day, you probably have to have to overnight somewhere to get to the place. It's small for us, but it was huge in those times, right? So this guy is starting to go back to Capernaum. Within his heart, the belief that his son will survive the sickness, he will get well. His servants or people from his household comes and meets him somewhere in the middle and tells him, your son is well. So this guy's first response was not, oh goodness, thank God. He says, wait, 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 wait. When did he start getting better? Because he was realizing that something must have happened when Jesus spoke the word. And they said to them, well, he started getting better at around um, this particular hour. The seventh hour. And then he realized that was exactly when Jesus said, go, your son will be healed. The father knew that hour that Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and his whole household. So this, these two miracles that we see in this, in this portion of Scripture that has kind of like different, different responses, but the same outcome. In the one miracle, the, the, the lady's heart gets exposed of sin in her past, but in such a way that Jesus shares with her the good news on how to worship God, he affirms her that, look, it's not going to be the Jews way or this way. It's going to be if you understand who I am, how you're going to worship. She goes away and says, I found the Christ. Come see, come see. She brings people to Jesus. And it's amazing how in the in the, in the verses um, uh, before the, the official son, how, how we read that it says here, the people from town came out to meet Jesus. And after a while, they said to the Samaritan woman, they said to him, we no longer believe because of what you have said. We believe because we've heard it ourselves now. But it was still because she went and told them and invited them. So you have this experience with Jesus. What do you do with it? Tell people to come and see. Tell people to come and experience for themselves as well. The official, Jesus doesn't come to him. Jesus doesn't see his son. The people of his household never meets Jesus, yet he goes down and he tells them what had happened. And as a result, they believe in Jesus, having never seen or spoken to him in person. Two different responses, but kind of like the same outcome. And what does that tell us? It tells us that, look. If you've experienced anything good about God, there's two appropriate responses. Tell people to come and join. Tell them to come and see. Invite people to the church. Take them sit next to me. Come see and experience what I'm experiencing in my life, in my church, worshiping Jesus, in my life group. Talking about Jesus, learning to know more about Him. Come and see. And the other one is just go and tell Go and tell people what it is that you find. Go and tell people why you worship God. Go and explain to them what you've experienced. And encourage them to put their faith in God. This official hears about Jesus, which thank God people were speaking about Jesus, right? Thank God people were talking about what had happened with Jesus. Because it was because of people's testimonies that somebody went and investigated. Then when someone said, let me go up to where he is to go find him. Guys, the more we talk about Jesus, the more people will become interested to figure out what is it about this guy that you're so excited about. The more we glorify Him in the public sphere, the more we talk about His faithfulness, how He opened up doors for us, the more we credit Him for the opportunities that we get. But see, that goes against our current age of self-aggrandization, self-promotion. I got this opportunity because I am that good. I was promoted because I was that good. Look at me. I believe God is telling us to stop letting and getting people to want to look at us and stop worrying about all of that and start lifting up the name of Jesus over every good thing that happens in our lives. The more we credit Him for what's happening in our lives, the more people's interests are piqued. Maybe I should go and talk to Jesus. Maybe I should go and see about God. The people that worship Jesus. This man sought Jesus out personally. You need a miracle, you need to seek Jesus personally. It's not going to happen because mom serves Jesus, it's not going to happen because mom prays for you. Once you, mom is praying for you to respond to Jesus, you have to say yes to him. He believed his word. When you hear something like this being preached, you have to add your faith to it. What's my faith? It's my decision to trust that what God said is going to be real for me. Nothing happens apart from faith. It's once we put our trust in it and we believe it that the miracle is activated. And then he goes and tells what happened. And you see a whole household starting to believe in Christ. I believe in sharing the gospel, the new covenant. How do we apply this to ourselves? Number one, we need to remember that the miraculous is tied to the mission. You want to see miracles? Sign up for the mission. If you want to see miracles in your own life, sign up for Jesus' mission, which is first for you to have a relationship with Him. That's the beginning of the mission. So You must join it. Don't miss God in the process. Don't be so focused on your goals for one day when you retire. God wants to do miracles in your life right now. God wants to use you right now in your family, in your colleagues' life, in people around you, in your community. We got to pursue the gifts of the Holy Spirit, y'all. I know it's new to y'all, but that's okay. Just because it's new doesn't make it foreign. It's so perfectly usual in scripture. We've got to pursue to be used by the Holy Spirit and use his gifts to open up people's hearts, to make us more effective witnesses. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit in the first place, to be pow- power to be witnesses. Look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus to tell people about your experiences. If they respond with animosity, it's okay. Just keep on explaining and showing them, hey, I know you don't understand this, but this is how it happened. And it, th- this is clearly God. I'm not this good. Jesus stayed persistent. He kept on Bringing the woman through her offenses, through her sarcasm, through her cynicism, through her animosity. He kept journeying, he kept walking with her until she came to that place where she, okay, this is not going to stop. I need to try and appease this guy. Threw out some religious jargon. Still, Jesus wasn't satisfied. We shouldn't be satisfied when people say, oh yeah, the man upstairs, he's a good guy. yo that means nothing. Until I can say that that man upstairs has become my father. And he's no longer living upstairs. He's living in my heart. (laughs) Believe in sharing the gospel, the new covenant with people. We don't get saved through our religious practices. We get saved through grace because we believed in Jesus and we made a decision to trust him with our lives. So let's all stand today. As I close, if you need to respond to Jesus, if you need to respond to Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity today to do that right now. If you've not said yes to Jesus, Lord, I will believe in you. You are the Messiah. I recognize you. I put my faith in you. If you've not done yet that yet, I want to pray with you today right here in front. And you need to come. You need to come and seek Jesus out. You need to make a decision that I'm going to go and seek Him out. I'm going to come to Jesus. And if you're believing for a miracle, you too need to respond to Jesus. So right now I'm going to pray for us. And then I'm going to ask all of us to... um, quietly pick up our things and if you're not going to, if you don't need to respond to anything that I'm calling for today, to just respectfully exit at the back so that you may allow others that want to come to the front, that want to come to give their lives to Jesus, the opportunity to do so. If you want to respond and there's people in front of you, just stay in your seat And once everybody has left, you can come to the front. I want to invite you. If you want to start seeing God move in your life, it's time that you start taking action. Nothing comes from nothing. But God bless you when you respond. God blesses you when you respond. Whatever it is that you need, that you're trusting Him for, you want to reach out. You want to seek Him out. You do that today. God bless you. God bless you for being here. And may you see miracles in your process as you start considering these things. May you leave here today and go and pursue the Holy Spirit's gifts in your life. May you even go and find out who He is. Go and read the Bible for yourself to figure out who He is and what He has made available to us as the church. Don't go so focused on your goals. Stay focused in the moment on the journey that Jesus is walking with you. Give Him the glory. Go and tell people. And you will start seeing God move through you. Help other people's lives get connected to Him as they come and see while you're going and telling. Yeah? Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this this rallying cry from your heart to us today. This invitation to come to you. Father, may each of us walk out here and see you move in our lives in greater measure may you speak and reveal to us about your holy spirit in greater measure may we understand how the gospel shared changes lives it's the power of salvation and may you empower us god to go and share our experiences with you with other people We thank you for that in the name of Jesus.